0: Welcome to Dr. Cheryl's Podcouch, where we talk about all things parenting and mental health. Please rate, review, and subscribe after you've listened to this show. Today, I am very, very excited to have on two guests. They are both from an organization called On Our Sleeves, which is a national movement to break stigma around children's mental health. No family should struggle alone on their journey. Their mission is to provide free mental health resources to every community in America to educate families and empower advocates. They also support access to services by connecting families to trusted local resources. Today we have Marty Bledsoe-Post, Executive Director of On Our Sleeves, and Dr. Ariana Howitt, who is the Clinical Director of On Our Sleeves and a psychologist at Nationwide Children's Hospital. In Marty's role with the On Our Sleeves movement, she leads strategy and operations. Marty was the founder of apparently, a consultancy offering programs and resources to support parents in the workplace. The company grew under her vision and leadership to work with corporations around the country, providing training for parents and leaders. Marty is a published author and sought after national speaker on parents in the workforce. Dr. Howitt cares deeply about working toward inclusion and equity in our society. Her personal experience as an immigrant from Venezuela has helped to fuel that passion. Dr. Howitt works in Pediatric Primary Care, where she serves immigrant children. She is also a Clinical Assistant Professor in the Department of Pediatric Psychology and Neuropsychology at Nationwide Children's Hospital and The Ohio State University. Thank you both for being here and welcome.
1: Hi, Cheryl. for
0: having us. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. And let me give you all and the listeners context for how I found you, because I found you and I reached out. The reason is, is this not, um, normally I interview authors and you are authors, but they're not of a book, let's say that I, well, that I know of right now. But if you are, you can tell us. I was researching, I do a lot of talks to companies about bringing mental wellness into the workplace. And I'm always just looking for new information, new data, interesting things. And I came across this February, 2022 article called the great collide, the impact of children's mental health on the workforce. And I was very interested and just consumed with this excellent information that you gathered. And I was so intrigued by it that I had to reach out and say, would you talk to me about this? (laughs) Um, and, and hopefully let lots of other people hear this as well. So that's how I found you welcome and thank you for being here. I don't know who wants to take the first question, but my first question is How did this come to be? How did you come up with this idea? And in general, kind of what are some interesting findings from the Great Collide, this article?
2: I'm happy to jump in on this one. We actually had a grant for this work provided to us by Nationwide Insurance and their foundation. They've had a dedication to this for years this idea that families and children in the home impact how parents and employees are able to show up. But also they have a passion for bringing the corporate and business community into this issue and into this topic to see how they can possibly help. So with those two goals, they they granted us money to do two things. First, they wanted us to frame up the problem. How does children's mental health impact the workforce? And then secondly, they asked us to create a solution. You know, as you said in your, your intro, On Our Sleeves is dedicated to getting free resources out into every community. And so they were curious what we would do to solve that particular question. So when we began the work, we knew we had to do some investigation with working parents to better understand not just what we all suspected but what they actually would tell us about the impact of their child's mental health on their their careers. And so we designed a multi-phase survey and study to really uncover that. We did some qualitative work where we come talked to parents online, about 35 to 40 parents really in depth over several days, and then we did a couple rounds of quantitative work on top of that to create the report that you that you found called The Great Collide. And I think it's one of those things where many of us suspected that there was a connection between a child's mental health and well-being and just overall, you know, sense of of wellness and doing okay and a parent's ability to concentrate at work, to stay present at work, both physically and mentally. What we heard in the data was just how worried working parents are about their children's mental health. Many of them told us, a, a great majority of them told us they were very to extremely concerned, six in ten told us very to extremely concerned about their child's mental health and well being in the prior two years. And not only are they worried, they find it very hard to concentrate sometimes. And when they're at work, between thirty to fifty percent of their mind share could be wandering around to, is my child doing okay? Uh, and that could mean a whole variety of things, but often it has an element of mental and behavioral health to it. And then last but not least, it actually interrupts their day. So those of us who, who have children at home and are working, even, you know, even working at home, we're no stranger to this idea that the kids can interrupt our work. This was specifically asked though about how often does your child's mental or emotional or behavioral health interrupt your work? And half of parents told us it interrupts and takes time away from work or I have to answer an email or take a call or somehow interrupt my tasks once a month or more often specific to their child's mental health.
0: Amazing. Were you surprised by these findings?
2: Yes and no. I think as a mom, no. (laughs) As a researcher, no. I, I was surprised at the consistency there. So I was surprised to see that it came out, you know, 53% said they've missed work, 54% said they've interrupted their work. I really was intrigued by how level it seemed on those couple of particular variables. And any differences between what um, moms and dads reported? We did a, what is the word I want? We did a segmentation on gender just to check and nothing statistically significant really came out of that between moms and dads, which was another thing that, that was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dr. Howitt,
0: you were also a part of this and uh, Marty did a great job of kind of getting us all grounded around. OK, here were some of the findings for you. How does that translate actually into mental health? What are the mental health concerns? What are parents doing? Yes, they're distracted. They're losing concentration. How is it impacting their mental health? What are what were some of your findings and are just thoughts and experiences mm-hmm. with that piece?
1: Yeah, I I love that you asked. Were you surprised? Because that was my reaction when I saw the data. Was yeah, I mean, I I was seeing it in clinic. Right, kids are not okay. Parents have to balance their child's appointments, worrying about them, just their needs in general, and their work. But also, one of the things we asked the parents that did jump out at me was, we asked them if your employer w- were to offer something for your physical health, for your mental health, or for your child's mental health? What would you prefer? And most people said children's mental health. And that surprised me. And and that's what I like about this data is that it's really telling companies, hey, this matters to you too. The The mental health of children matters, right? Because maybe as an owner of a company, I didn't think about it. I'm thinking about my employees. I'm not thinking about their children. And and this data shows them, no, you have to think about that too and support your employees by supporting their children's mental health.
0: Yeah. This one for me is like, hold up. I want to say that again, because I think we have, this to me is the great opportunity. This is a time Where companies are saying, oh, my gosh, we've had a resignation. We've had women leaving the workforce at record numbers and we want women back in the workforce. We want to really talk about mental health for the first time. I mean, in my Mm -hmm. career and I'm sure in both of yours, this is a great while we're in a horrible mental health state of emergency. It's also a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I want companies to really hear that. To me, that's not a surprise because. That's even why I really wrote Mommy Burnout. The subtitle is How to Reclaim Your Life and Raise Healthier Children in the Process. I always say you have to tell them it's going to be good for their kids and then people will pay attention. Oh, okay, I'll do that for me if it's going to be good for my kids. So for me, although I've never thought of it, I can't say I have. I want to underscore that for anybody who is a manager, a CEO, somebody that runs any kind of company um, or has an association with it. If you tell your employees do you want something for you? Do you want something for your kids? They're going to pick their kids almost every time. Um, And talk about an opportunity for benefits and for creativity in a marketplace that doesn't really have so much of that.
2: I love that you called it the great opportunity because that's a perfect way to frame it. Companies can support their employees by investing in this space. And that could mean something simple like Maybe just acknowledging their parents in some way by you know having a parenting employee resource group or a family employee resource group as a starting point. It doesn't have to be completely revolutionary. I think what we saw is that the working parents who talk to us are appreciative of and, and feel that it contributes to the company culture anytime their employer really even steps into this topic with them. But also, if a company is willing to understand the impact this could have on their bottom line now as the parents are employed, and be really forward thinking about the impact this has on them when these children grow up and hit the workforce, then they have an opportunity to align their philanthropic efforts, their corporate social responsibility, which could even lead into how they are rated against the ESG ratings, which are becoming a requirement for publicly traded companies, environmental, social, and governmental that they can then invest against an issue that has major impact on them now and into the future. so it's it makes it not only the right thing to do but also something that directly impacts the bottom line.
0: Yeah, but before I go back to you, uh, Dr. Howitt on, on the mental health piece, let me stick with this for a second, Marty, because there are different things that speak to different leaders, and you mentioned it's the right thing to do. Great. I hope that speaks to many leaders. There's also, you know, the fiscal part. There is the financial part. This is an investment. I've seen different types of figures that um, address, you know, burnout and stress and the impact on the bottom line in the workforce. Do you have any data that you think is interesting that you could share around the actual dollars and cents and maybe even turnover that stress, burnout, and now, you know, stress, meaning how is my child's mental health? Um, how does that impact families,
2: I mean, uh, companies with the families that they employ? This study did not really quantify burnout or turnover. We did ask them if the company would offer you a course about your child's mental health and bring that right to you via your your company. Would that contribute to a a place you'd want to work longer or a place you'd want to stay? And they did agree with that. They felt that a company offering them something to help with this very acute issue would give them a sense of of wanting to be with that company longer. I do agree with you, though, there is a lot of stress and burnout that we're seeing reverberate across the workforce. And what I would say to any leader or manager is you have to be careful because the stress and burnout will come after your most diverse employees first. It will come after your historically underrepresented groups, and it will come after the women in your workforce first. And so if those groups leave disproportionately, how are you ever going to grow a diverse leadership pipeline in the hopes of arriving at a diverse leadership structure in the future? And the answer is, you're gonna have a really hard time with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautifully said, really beautifully said. Dr. Ho, what would you like to add around, you know, the mental health piece? What What is going on? Why aren't the kids okay? Um, What are parents worried about?
1: Kids, it's interesting because even pre-pandemic, we had the CDC data from 2009 to 2019 to tell us that we were seeing increases in depression, anxiety, thoughts of suicide, suicidal behaviors. So already we were seeing an alarming trend. And then we add the pandemic that just made it go on overdrive so kids are not doing well. That's that's what led the Surgeon General to declare a, a public health emergency at the end of uh, last year. And so when you think about a parent and how hard it is already to parent and, and navigate how to support your child, you add a mental health stressor. Um, one of the conversations we were recently having of um, the, how it's a, a chronic situation, right? It's not my child broke their arm and I need to leave work today, and then it's done, right? This is something that I may need to leave work weekly, sometimes biweekly, sometimes every day. Um, Even when I'm at work, I'm not thinking straight. Um, It's things that, because we don't yet understand a lot um, as a society about mental health and what treatment looks like, what a prognosis is, It just looks different. It's not a a one time thing. It's going to be all the time. Our society isn't set up for that, for for a parent to just take time off whenever they need to, to be there for their child. So that's really hard because our kids need us there. They need the support. We also have to go to work. Um, And so it's the great glide, right? I mean, we're having to, to decide what comes first.
0: Absolutely. Do you have ideas? Do you have solutions, large or small, to address this? Because like you said, mental health issues tend to be chronic.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's our big, when we look ahead about what do we want on our sleeves to do and, and what we hope to accomplish, part of it is being able to give people the information they need to better understand children's mental health, to better support their children but then also better be able to talk about it, right? We want to give working parents the language that they need and the information that they need, the data that they need to advocate in their workplace for more flexibility, for more of a family-first environment. Um, so really our goal is is to, to just give that education away um, so that people can advocate for their children.
0: What kinds of mental health issues, if you know specifically, either are you seeing at the hospital that seem to be most chronic or that people reported, you know, is it anxiety? Is it depression? What are what are the types of things that are most commonly experienced?
1: For children, the most common, we know anxiety is, is one of the most common. We are seeing a rise in depression, suicidality, eating disorders during the pandemic, also experience a rise. Um. And then also knowing that mental health shows up as behaviors for a lot of children. And so parents are getting phone calls to come pick up their child because, you know, they threw something or they acted out, they didn't listen. And so we also see what we call in the world of psychology, the externalizing behaviors, right? A lot of the times those are signs of something else. Um, A lot of trauma also, unfortunately, I mean, again, even pre-pandemic, but the pandemic was traumatic for many children and their families. They lost parents. Um, there was a lot of financial hardships. And as Marty mentioned before, it unfortunately affected those in, in already at-risk populations. So it's a lot of stress that kids are facing. Absolutely. Um,
0: I know one of the other things um, that you all reported on in this paper were was something around like How many people feel comfortable speaking to their managers, right? I'm wondering from that data that you got back and both of your experiences, what do you feel like is a good way to approach? Let's say you're, you know, someone's listening to this and they're going through something and they're thinking, yeah, this is my secret. I haven't really been telling anybody. I'm making up excuses why I'm leaving work early or coming in late or on the phone, right? Whatever they're doing. Do you have suggestions around how do you approach a manager or a supervisor
2: around this? It's interesting. We actually see this play out in many different audiences and and scenarios where people are a little stuck in the stigma that can surround mental health for everyone, but especially for young children. And so we have a couple of resources on our website about the do's and don'ts of talking about mental health that really guide anyone through the way that you can discuss mental health topics with a a literate vocabulary of the the specific issues. So, you know, you want to talk about person first, not diagnosis first. So you don't want to come in and say, especially if you're feeling worried about sharing this at work, you don't want to say my child is depressed or my child is anxious. You can say my child has anxiety. My child has depression. And sometimes something that simple can allow people to basically see their own path as this is not something that is my child. This is something that is happening to my child. And that is a big difference. And I think that's where the stigma comes from. We actually have been looking at some new survey questions to try to understand that better. Is it, is it a, people feel it's a reflection of their parenting? Is it feel like something that should be kept private in case the child ever, comes in for a visit or interns at that company someday. I mean, there's a lot of different layers to the stigma. And so we really do advocate on some basic vocabulary at the start. And that is one of the the things that we also hope companies will progress along and and get more familiar with and comfortable with not only hearing from their employees, but also having managers and leaders share openly. I love that. So I really, you know, for people like that are
0: in our field or work with people with disabilities, we understand what people first language is, but I really want to just emphasize what you said. So that means you don't have to go in and say, well, you know, my kid ha- is, is having, like, it's hard for me to actually not talk people first. I'm having a hard time even coming up with it. But yes, like you said, my depressed kid my anxious kid, right? That is sometimes the way people talk. And people first says, my child is experiencing anxiety. My kid is going through depression. You know, how about if it's life transitions, like the family's going through a divorce and the kid has regressed at home, right? So it's not necessarily diagnostic, it's a a reaction, a response to, you know, grandma or grandpa died, something like that. Do you
2: suggest telling bosses and supervisors those kinds of pieces of information? This is a judgment call. Every time in every company, in every team, we all know that even if the company at large has a an open or, or flexible policy, that the culture within any given team or department interprets that policy and lives it out in different ways. So it is a judgment call for, for parents. I also think the workforce or workplace can really learn to be more human and can learn to have understandable boundaries around people's privacy, but also allow them to be true people. So whether that means, you know, saying I have a a family situation and leaving it at that is maybe what's accepted in the culture of the company, or if it's a a much more open place, then maybe some specifics are warranted and, and safe to share. I think that's where We're a child mental health organization and we recognize the pressure parents are under. Mm -hmm. And we really hope this report helps the workforce and the leadership respond and not make this such a tough judgment call for them. Yeah, well said. What, What would you like to add, Dr. Howitt?
1: Yeah, I mean, complete agreement with Marty. I think in a perfect world, we could be open about what's going on and be able to talk about it without any repercussion. But each workplace is different. Um, So it's hard for us to sit here and say, yes, go go destigmatize and go talk Mm -hmm. about it. Right. Because that may not go well in some workplaces. And so I think a a place to start is being able to not maybe you're not at a workplace where you can share your personal story, but you can share some of what we're talking about today. Right. In general, in the U.S., kids. Are not well in in terms of their mental health. This is how hard it is for parents, and so that's what we hope that this data can do is at least give working parents the talking points to show up at work and say, "Look, this is happening. This is really hard," and you can advocate that way without sharing your personal story. And so that that's for now. Hopefully, we can get to a place where that's different. Yeah, and I do feel like this is that is exactly what this
0: paper did. I mean it. It just gives a couple of data points. They're simple, they're straightforward, they're relevant. It's clear that this is a starting point we this is the very beginning, I think, of really stopping to think about the state of children's mental health and how that's impacting parents in the workforce and in their productivity and in um you know probably their satisfaction and all different kinds of ways that we measure. And I I really do feel like this is a great starting point. You have both alluded to um, On Our Sleeves, which I assume, is that a not, what is On Our Sleeves? It's a nonprofit. I know what it does, but is it associated with Nationwide Children's?
2: Nationwide Children's Hospital Behavioral Health Team gives us all of our expertise and reviews all our materials and makes sure all of our content is up to date with the latest research. But On Our Sleeves itself is national. We are trying to raise that awareness and and give resources to every community who needs them. And so we actually have other children's hospitals around the country who join with us and bring this into their markets because we feel that it's important that this conversation really transcends geography and circumstance and, and all of the other pieces that might silo it. It has to be happening at the national level. Okay. I love
0: that. So I invite you both to share your website and maybe, um, I think that Dr. Howitt said one, one of you shared one of your, you know, a resource, but maybe kind of tell the listeners who aren't familiar with on our sleeves, what can they find there? What are some of the things that you think are, you know, most important or pertinent to them? Um, so we can really get people checking it out and using it and hopefully using it as starting point for conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our website is Um The content you will find there is for families. It's for teachers, coaches. Everything is free. There's informational articles uh, just about mental health in general, but then also skills, strategies you can use to promote mental wellness in children. We have a newsletter that is weekly right now that you can sign up for and you get a, a different topic in your inbox every Week, um, but also I know a lot of people are on social media, so you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, and we we share our content there too. And that way, you can stay up to date with with our newest information.
0: Wonderful, thank you so
2: much. And Marty, anything you'd add? Well, we actually used all the information in the Great Collide to design a course specific for working parents, and we used not only mental health education techniques, but also adult learning and development techniques and brought this together into something that we believe is a really innovative wellness benefit for employees. It can be added on to whatever a company is already doing for mental health education, but it's all specific to kids. It's not specific to parents, though. It's only specific to people who have a child in their life who want to understand more. And that could be you know, a neighbor, it could be a grandchild, um, niece or nephew. Uh, And so it's also not terribly specific to the workplace. There are some modules that reference, you know, managers or teams or or things like that. But the majority of it is, how do you understand mental health for children? How do you contribute to it? How do you support it? What are those skills that Dr. Hoat mentioned that you can foster? How do you take care of yourself when you're on this journey and supporting a child? And so, We're very hopeful that this, as an innovative benefit offering, will make its way into more and more companies so that employees are receiving it right at their workplace where they already spend so much time. That's wonderful. What's that course called? It's called Bloom, Supporting You in Growing Kids' Mental Well-Being. And it's also at OnOurSleeves.org. You can find it there when you find your way to the research that we've offered, the Great Collide, and then Bloom is the course. And you can get in touch with us via that page, and then we can follow up with you about what that benefit is all about. I love that
0: idea. I really do. Our conversation is starting to wrap up. I'm sure we could talk so much more. I'm going to follow your work. Um, I'm going to share your work and your resources um, everywhere that I possibly can. And I really thank you both so much for, your support of children's mental health, first and foremost, and working parents and supporting the parents that are raising these children. Um, I wish you the best. I'm so glad you're going to continue on with your research. And um, if you as a listener have enjoyed this conversation, please go and check out those resources. And also please rate, review and subscribe to Dr. Cheryl's Podcouch. Thanks so much.